0: Welcome back to the Fordham IPJ podcast. I'm your online editor, Christina Sauerborn. This week, part one of our interview with Orit Blankrot and Margot Cornell, vice president business affairs and director of legal administration, respectively, at NBC Universal. Staff correspondent Mike Rivera talks with Ori and Margo about their work with The Jerry Springer Show. In this episode, Ori and Margo talk about how they got their start in media law, problem solving for a broadcast television show, and how they advise to help the show comply with FCC guidelines. Enjoy! <laughs>
1: I'm Mike Rivera, a staff member on the Fordham Intellectual Property Law Journal, and today I'm at NBC Universal to speak with Orit Blankrot, Vice President of Business and Legal Affairs at NBC TV Distribution, and Margot Cornell, Director of Legal Administration for The Jerry Springer Show. Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you Thank for you having us. We're excited.
1: Absolutely. Uh, can you tell me each a little bit about what you do at your job?
2: Absolutely. So. Um, just to give you some backstory, I, I made my way here from Montreal and went to law school in Montreal at McGill. Um, and then, you know, started out in corporate finance and realized I'm not so passionate about that. <laughs> and so I segued into media law. Um, and currently I oversee various productions. I work on TV development. Um, and I essentially support all of the various groups that help bring TV to fruition. Um, for audiences around the nation, so that's kind of the long and short of
3: it. Um, yeah, it's a really fun gig.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, same here. I'm the director director of legal administration for the Jerry Springer Show. Um, actually, I've been here for about six and a half years. Um, I did not go attend law school. Uh, I have my undergraduate degree, um, but I started at the Jerry Springer Show as the legal coordinator, um, and also worked for the Steve Bullock Show. And I made my way up to legal director about about one and a half years ago. I handle the day to day legal and business affairs for the show.
1: Very cool. Uh, so I know, Margot, you already touched on it saying that corporate law, I'm sorry, her, you already touched yeah. on it saying that uh, corporate law wasn't really um, what you were interested in. Yeah. But can you each tell me a little bit about what exactly attracted you to media law?
2: Absolutely. So I I have a background in journalism. I did my undergrad degree in journalism. I always had a passion for it. I was always into writing, even as a kid, as far back as I could remember. I, I remember writing in a journal. I want to be a journalist one day. It didn't quite work out that way, but I was able to marry the two things that I really love, which are law and journalism. And so, you know, what I started to realize after practicing in corporate finance was why do I have to do something I'm not that into? I need to start focusing my energy and go back to what I was once so focused on and passionate about. Um, And that kind of brought me full circle. Uh, When I left corporate finance, I knew I need to pour everything into getting back into the space that was exciting to me. Um, And that's what I did. And it wasn't an easy road, but I did it. Um, And, and I guess we could get into that a little bit later. And um I could let you know how that
3: happened but
1: yeah of course yeah
3: um actually kind of same here I kind of stumbled upon media law I um when I was in college I majored in radio TV film so I also initially was interested in broadcast journalism I wanted to be Katie Couric or <laughs> something um and I you know going towards my senior year junior senior year I you know, was always interested in law. And I was kind of thinking about the idea of law school. So I declared a minor in criminal justice. And once I graduated, I was looking for jobs, and I was looking for jobs in production, and maybe as a legal assistant. And I really just stumbled across the legal assistant position at NBC. And it really marries my two, same thing, marries my two passions together for um, you know media law and TV and law. Um, You know, this job is really interesting. It's fun. It's yeah, you know, a different thing every day and how you have different challenges every day. So it worked yeah. out well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So can you each tell me a little bit about what your day-to-day responsibilities are here?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, so it would be hard to define any given day, but what I will say is part of my job is really working with the internal client. So as an in-house counsel, I'm at their whim. So it might be um, a project that originates from the marketing team. Um, marketing may have a really cool initiative that they want to do. We just had one um, where they wanted to bring in a bunch of social media influencers and we had to get contracts signed for each of those people, get the, that content on our you know, social platforms um, and working with them on the actual content, making sure it doesn't kind of, go awry from our guidelines for our shows, although it's hard to do that um, for some of our shows. Um, So it might be something like that. It may be, you know, the ad sales team that calls me up and says, you know, we want to start using programmatic, you know, a digital platform and we want to implement this tomorrow. Um, It might be, you know, a story idea for a particular show that has certain legal risks or business risks associated with it where, you know, someone will raise it to me because they don't feel comfortable making that decision on their own. Um, And so, you know, it, it might be a contract negotiation with for talent, like with an agent, which happens often because we produce and develop TV. So, um, if we want to do a pilot. So those are all of the things that may come up at any given time, depending on the the season and the time of year. A lot of the development happens over the summer. Um, and then, you know, we start, we start back into our typical production season as well at the end of the summer. And so I'll have to go out and do training seminars for all of the producers um, and, you know, director and the people who are on these shows and give them a refresher on some of our legal guidelines and um you know business issues that we face and so that you know very there, there's your synopsis but it changes every day it really does so hopefully that gave you a you know some sort of an idea of what i take
1: care of of course sounds very dynamic
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. um it's kind of similar in my my case uh, every week is a little, is the same, but every day can be, can be different. Um, you know, for two days out of the week, I'm in, we're in production, we're taping the show. So I'm actually in the studio um, there. I'm reading scripts for the show to make sure there's, you know, no talk of third parties or maybe some like minor uh, custody issues. Um, <laughs> I sit in the control room while the show tapes for any major incidents and we don't tape live. So we, we edit, you know, we can edit things out. Thank God. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if someone, you know, we have to throw a T-shirt on someone because her top, you know, is a little too low or something. Like, that's what, you know, sitting in the control room, we, we can control it that way. Or, um, you know, direct the director to make sure she has a lot of really good audience shots because, you know, there might be an issue with, you know, the way someone, the, um, a wardrobe that someone has on stage. Um, I review pictures before the show for copyright issues or logos. Um, you know, I, can help, I help our legal assistant and coordinator with any difficult guests and also wardrobe. Um, we check all the guests' wardrobe beforehand um, to make sure, you know, it meets our standards for the most part. Um, so those are busy days. But on non-tape days, um, I'm kind of at the whim of our our executive producer. If she has stories to pitch um, or story ideas that, you know, I might have to bump up to or read. <laughs> um, you know, I work pretty much seven days a week. <laughs> um, our heavy booking period is actually Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's because we tape on Mondays and Tuesdays. So, um, you know, we're kind of up up late nights sometimes um, trying to book the guests, and then they, then they pitch their, um, if the guests have any medical or legal issues, they pitch the stories to me. I assess them for risk, um, ask questions, you know, again, maybe b- bump it up to someone to discuss it. Um, I screen shows. I screen every show for standards edits. Um, um, I high production. We might be taping a high production show that has a fire act, um, so you know it's kind of vetting that, um, making sure we you know discuss with health and safety or a fire marshal. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> yeah. I review promo if we get a, a promo or an ad. Um, I review scripts. I reviewed. We have someone vet them. I review the diligence. Um, any again, anything that might come up, like we might our social media department might have something that they want to do, I review that. Um, I screen promos, I review Chirons, um do so, a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> And I was just gonna add that a lot of this is to also make sure that we are meeting, you know, the FCC's, you know, guidelines. They they require that we don't air Certain content. So we're bound by a lot of regulatory laws. Um, You know, I don't know if you remember what happened with Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl years ago. That really kind of created a world of fear within our space because we, you know, have a lot of swearing that goes on on some of these shows. And that's where Margot comes in and, you know, goes through the tapes and goes through the edits and really makes sure. To monitor, um, you know, a list of words that are no nos, right? So,
3: and again, wardrobe, you know, obviously on our show, people they they like to fight on our show. Um, so if they're wearing a low cut top, um, you know, and, and I'm screening the show, and something that is not, <laughs> um, yeah. not is not a, is not you know applicable to the standards, we have to edit it and we blur it, or as we said, we we beep curse words or no no words. Yeah. Um, and then actually another. Um, interesting thing that has come on my plate is we started this um, app this downloadable app to watch old classic Springer shows and other shows yeah. like um, Sally Jesse Raphael and Blind Date um, and so we've been reviewing old shows from the 90s and reviewing them for web standards so it's they're not as strict as broadcast standards but we also make sure we have all the releases from these people we pull old show files and um, and we screen the shows, so it's fun to watch the old shows, and um, if anyone wants to catch an old Springer show from, you know, 95, you can download this app, it's called Nosy. <laughs> a little plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, or if there's an after issue, um, so, you know, maybe we had, I think we had some, like, Jenna Jameson on, and so, you know, we wouldn't show that one because we, she might be after and you know, there might be paperwork in there saying there's someone's after or a music issue or something. So, yeah, so again, it's the same as read, It's kind of different depending on just one, what lands on your plate and what pops up. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Sounds like <laughs> a, a lot to manage, honestly. <laughs> it is, it is. It is. <laughs> so you guys mentioned both the FCC guidelines. Uh, can it be difficult to comply with those, and how often do those change or update?
2: Um, I don't find that it's difficult to comply with them. I think it's a lot of it is about obscenity. Um, so making sure that if we receive content that has uh, too much exposure, like physically, um, that we put a kibosh on that or try to either blur where we need to. And we're really good at doing that. I think Margot has a down pat. And then as far as, you know, swear words, you know, you, you, can't, you can't say, I don't know if I can use it on this podcast, <laughs> You can't say the F word. You can't. can't. It's a broadcast show. You can't even say F word. (laughs) You can't even say F word, exactly. (laughs) Right. A lot of this has to do with not only the FCC, which is obviously who you want to be complying with when you're in broadcast, but a lot of it also has to do with our station groups that buy our shows. Some of them are very sensitive. Um, you know, there can be religious undertones at times. You have to be really mindful of the audience that you are catering to. And although it may seem like the people watching this are people that would be really happy to hear all this stuff, there are, you know, different groups that may complain to our station groups or to us. So we, we're we very careful and we've developed a list of, you know, words that go beyond what the FCC wouldn't allow. Um, and we kind of gauge our use of those, that terminology to to make sure that we're staying in line with, you know, like it, it could, it's not news standards, but it's our standards in this case. It's are,
3: al- yeah, okay. well, it's also because we're daytime. So, you yeah. know, if, um, you know, mom's at home with her kids and the kids turn on the TV, you know, yes. it, there's that risk. Whereas, you know, primetime you shows time. have, much less standards if you yeah. like recently you know when I watch OJ on FX at 10 o'clock at night they say the F word and they say the yeah. S word and yeah I'm you know it's, yeah. um, like they, they can but say that that's not fair where you're but. dealing with
2: cable you're in a different ballgame right. as well because cable is not FCC
3: there's no oversight for the cable. so it's really broadcast that you have to worry about so it's not difficult for us to comply with them it's difficult for the production to comply with yeah. them so we'll say we can't do this and they'll push back you know and they'll say but you know because they want to get the best show they can they want to get you know they want to get the best you know production the that excitement. they can right the most excitement yeah. you know so it's kind of that push and pull between production about how far you can take it
2: yeah and as the you know or the legal, you know, overseer of this content, you have a very very difficult, you know, presence at these productions because you want to be seen as part of the team, but at the same time your job is to protect the company and protect the show. And so while you want their creative visions to become, you know, something viable and you want to help it come to fruition, you also in the back of your mind have to keep you know that fact in mind that right you know we are protecting the
3: company we're not always so. the, the most well-liked people yeah. on staff exactly because <laughs> yeah. we, we're the buzz kill yeah. <laughs> but again as said, we said we're protect, trying to protect everybody's yeah. job and we try we really do try to to make their creative vision a reality right. it's kind so. of about compromise and negotiation yeah.
1: <laughs> of course seems like a, a very difficult balancing act really as you said, between production and yeah. guidelines. It's uh, exactly what
3: it is to the balancing act. You know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. You do negotiate on a daily basis. Yeah. You really do. You know, sometimes you give in to things that may not be legal risks, but may be business risks. And you you know, you evaluate it and you think, Okay, how high is this risk and how far can we go? And, you know, if we push ourselves this time, we may rain it in the next time. You know, we just kind of test the waters and see what the limits are for the stations right. um, and, and go from there.
1: Of course. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, that these were broadcast guidelines that you tend to deal with and that those are different than cable guidelines. Could you just briefly explain the difference between broadcast and cable?
2: Well, cable, they're they not monitored By the FCC so they can be much more lax so when you think about shows like Bravo shows and you watch a Bravo show and you watch the Housewives I mean and, and I'm sure you have I mean maybe you haven't but I haven't I'm a big fan um those shows can kind of go off script they are on script but they're they're reality shows they can do what they want they don't they are not bound by the same guidelines as we are we are in broadcast it's all about the fcc and it's and because we are selling two stations we have to be so careful about what those stations are you know face from their viewers if you're looking at middle america and the station groups in middle america and they hear words like jesus used in vain or god used in vain we we are going to ultimately get a complaint from the station group Whereas something like Bravo, they have a particular audience, they do what they want, you choose to watch or you don't. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's a totally different ballgame. The, the network is also, I mean, if you look at news, there are much stricter news guidelines. Um, and some of our shows have to abide by those news guidelines. Things like Access Hollywood, which is a news show. Uh, and they're bound by those guidelines. And, and that's a lot stricter as well hopefully that gives you a little bit of a taste <laughs> of <Yeah. laughs> no, absolutely
1: actually my mom loves access hollywood as like an aside she oh good time. that's actually good to know yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
2: we need the demo to go down a little bit <laughs> we, need, we need you know yeah. it's like we're looking for a certain demo and, and it really is like the 25 to 48 that we want um, or 25 to 54. Um, maybe your mom's in that range. <laughs> well,
1: she's not, uh, but my sister-in-law is. Oh, so we also she's have my sister-in-law who's okay. in Hollywood. <laughs> good, good, good. I'm glad to <laughs> hear. You guys are nailing the demographics, which is great. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, Marie, earlier you mentioned uh, that you deal with both business and legal risks. Yes. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you balance those two responsibilities?
2: Yeah, look, I mean for me they're almost it's almost one and the same. The way it works is you get a full picture of the business because you're truly aligned with the business and that's what I find the coolest part of this job. When you are embedded into a business, you get to learn everything about it. And then the legal issues, I mean in media law in general, there's no I wouldn't say media law is its own area of law. I would say it has so many different facets to it. It has, you have IP, you have privacy issues, you have potentially labor issues that play into it. If you want to, you know, do a reenactment with a kid, if you want to use a kid in your production, um, you have international laws that come into play. And so... What ends up, and you have the regulatory stuff that I've been talking about that really informs a lot of what we do as well in our branded entertainment initiatives, um, where we have to make sure that advertisers that come into the show, their messaging and their claims are appropriate claims and are well substantiated. So here you have just, you have tons of productions going on, you have tons of development happening, you learn kind of the financial scope of the business. And then you're able to, like, you know, employ all of the skills that you've learned through, you know, throughout both law school and then after that while you've gotten into your day to day work. And, you know, it's, I think that's what makes it really cool. I love that part of it. I love that I'm not isolated to one small area of law. I mean, if you look at NBC as a whole, there's a litigation group, there's a, um an advertising legal group and they specifically focus on that but with my role i actually get to do all of the above i get to be involved in you know potential litigations obviously we bring in sometimes outside counsel to the extent we need to we also have an internal litigator that helps us but i you know i handle the advertising related work and and all of the regulatory that goes into it i handle the marketing issues and, and or marketing legal issues that come up um, and so i think that's the best part that you're never limited to one narrow area you really get to just take on whatever it is they throw at you and you you learn to to really spot the issues quickly and sometimes you don't have the answer but sometimes you we were discussing this this morning that you know who will You know, you know the issue and you kind of you have a good idea of what it is. And the cool part about working at a large network is that you're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to call so-and-so in the the labor group um, because, you know, they may know what's going on with this, you know, this negotiation for AFTRA or, you know, whatever it might be. The labor negotiations that go on, um, I can call this person and they can give me the lowdown. I can call my regulatory person and ask her a very specific question about something that I may not have the expertise on. But so you're you're a master of nothing, but you're sort of you you learn how to navigate the waters, uh, and that's that's what I love about the job. So I don't want to say I'm an expert in nothing, but I <laughs> but I, I'm an expert in figuring you're... out what I need. You know, where I have to go to sometimes get the answer that I need. And sometimes I have it.
1: (laughs) So you're an extra uh, problem solver. Exactly. You're a problem
2: solver. You take in everything. You get hit with issues left and right. And you're like, oh, yeah, this sounds like this is the problem, you know, and what's the solution? And that's where you may have to stray here and there to find it. But look, I'm a researcher. You learn in law school how to do the research how to figure out, you know, if you need to delve into the case law, you need to. If you need to look at the statute, you do. And so that's kind of my role, just finding answers. And when you get to see the larger business and you get to implement those answers along the way and people start to trust you and come to you with everything, that's when you're in a good
1: place. So turning to the Jerry Springer show, Margot, I understand you oversee legal administration for it. Uh, What are some common legal issues or projects that you've dealt with on the show?
3: We actually don't have too many common legal issues that necessarily come (laughs) up they can definitely be challenging when they do. So as Ori said, you know, it's kind of um, you're getting issues and you have to find the right person to go out to. So sometimes one of my most challenging issues is when um, I have to deal with, like, music licensing, which is very rare because usually, you know, we have real people on our show. They just come on to tell their story. But sometimes, occasionally, um, they want to, you know— we might have a DJ who wants to come on and DJ and these girls are going to dance to his song. So, you know, we have to obviously clear that music. And um, a couple years ago, we had a rapper from MM's um, old group D12. His name is Bizarre. He <laughs> had he started a new group and he made a Jerry Springer song. And, you know, somehow the producers found it and they wanted to book him and bring him on the show. So, um, you know, it comes to me and I have to kind of figure out how to license this music and so I go to music licensing but you know they're not going to just do the work for me they ask me questions about you know who who owns the song who's the composer who's the publisher um, you know and I have to get that then get that information from the producer who gets it from the guest so it's kind of a long chain um, and you know we're not just dealing directly with a publisher necessarily if we're getting you know a popular if, if you're getting a popular song music licensing will reach out to the publisher on their own they'll get the terms and you know the fee but um the publisher in this case is the guest himself so you know it kind of goes through me um so it's just it's challenging to navigate those waters um, and make it,
2: sure that someone actually owns. Like, is there a third party
3: involved, or did this right, person write the lyrics? On right. Right. Who the composers thing? are. So I remember in this particular instance, at first it was two people, and then it was three, and you know, so they we kind of had to split it that way. And um, so that that definitely is a challenge because just because we don't do it often, you know, and Jimmy Fallon they <laughs> they have their own person who does that constantly because they um you know they just do it all the time. Um, also, you know, clip licensing—we we do occasionally. Someone will come to us, um, you know, like a production. They're interested in licensing our material. Um, it could be a TV show. Um, it could be um, a documentary. Um, so. Last year, we um, did something Jerry Springer did. They wanted, uh, the BBC wanted Jerry Springer to be a part of a Red Nose Day charity. And they were do they do this telethon over in the UK and um, they want him to do a skit for it. So actually, um, our crew filmed the skit and licensed it to them. So we had to obviously get a licensing agreement in place, which because they're in the UK, they kind of marked it all up. (laughs) and they took out everything. They took out the whole indemnity clause. (laughs) So again, I don't, you know, I don't know really a lot about this. So I, you know, will go to Arit, who will help me look at the contract. And then she'll, she passed me on to our litigation team, our litigator, who's extremely helpful. And he looked at, and he also then passed me on to our international litigator, um, who was able to, you know, give give us really good language that they were comfortable with, you know, and it it was kind of going back and forth. Actually, I was just looking at my old emails, um, just refreshing myself and uh, remembering how much work it was. It was just going back and forth, you know, like what we could live with, what they could live with. and um, Because occasionally some
2: of the provisions that show up in these agreements when you have one entity that's in the U.K. and then us and we're in the U.S., um, they've added in language provisions that may be very standard in the UK and not so much here. So that's where we have to rope in our international, right. you know, litigator who go who's in the UK, based in the UK, and it helped. It helped to have that, I think, for you for your purposes. You yes. also put together a set agreement, allowing them onto our set. Right.
3: Yeah. So it's kind of finding the right person to to help you with that. And um, you know, occasionally we'll get maybe. Um, like an investigator inquiry or um, something from, like, a district attorney who wants to get a copy of our show, um, which, yep, um, for an investigation maybe they're doing. um, It's very common, actually, more on Steve Volkos because Steve Volkos, actually, they deal with... um, A lot of abuse and molestation and harder topics. Right. Um, That's a show, by the way, that tapes
2: as well in the Stanford Media Center. We have three shows that film there. That's a tougher show with tougher content. Um, but you get them you get those kinds of things, yeah,
3: occasionally well. we'll get you know a request for a show, so or so maybe someone just wants a copy of the show. well, we will not give a copy of the show without a subpoena. um we do that, which maybe or we can explain that a little more why, but um it's you know because because we're under the yeah. umbrella of NBC and we could possibly be deemed a news show um it's kind of a we you know fine line, um, but we don't want to give. We don't want to set a precedent for the new shows to give a copy of the show without having that subpoena. Yeah,
2: like, I think we're more concerned we're OK with giving broadcast footage if, if right. a subpoena comes in and requests, you know, and, and legally we're bound to give a, a broadcast copy of the show. We're OK with that. But I think we would fight anything where we're asked for raw material and produ- producers notes. And things that are kind of off the record and are not publicly available to people because, and as you were saying, because we work for NBC, although the Jerry Springer show is not a news show, and although the C. Wilco (laughs) show is not a news show, um, we worry about setting a precedent with giving away our journalistic notes. There are lots of shield laws that we've been able to employ in those arguments, but... Yeah, it's, it's about, you know, journalists have their sources and they're supposed to be confidential, as you guys probably know. And so being under the umbrella of NBC, we have to maintain that precedent um, and we fight it. We right. would fight any request for, for raw or
3: unedited footage or producer's notes yeah. for that reason. In the same case, we, you know, we'd get our uh, litigation attorney involved and they would help us. So yeah, so random things like just complying with the American Disabilities Act. If we have a deaf, uh, deaf audience member who wants to sit on the show, um, we'll we'll get a <laughs> we'll a get translator. a Yeah, we'll we'll get a sign language interpreter, we, which we've done. Um, you know, because we you know legally can't say no. We have to try to yeah. you know our best ability to accommodate people. So again, it's just kind of random requests come our way. Um, you know, I might deal with something more often, or it'll be brand new, and I usually will. First, call a read (laughs) and and she'll say, Okay, this is who you need to talk to.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that Jerry Springer, that show in particular, has many truly legal issues. I think a lot of what goes into that production is assessing the business risks to the show when it comes to who we're bringing onto our property um, and their, you know, medical, their history, their criminal history. Um, You know, oftentimes we decide not to bring people because they have, um, they're on probation and they can't, you know, they may have a court date in a week and we talk to their probation officer and they're not free to leave the state and we're not going to help them. You know, leave the state and and basically evade the authorities. (laughs) So
3: that's actually the perfect segue into the next question. Is it okay? Yes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And with that, seems like a good place to stop. Tune in again next week for part two. See you then. Fordham Intellectual Property Media and Entertainment Law Journal is a publication staffed by the students of Fordham Law School. Our faculty moderators are Professors Mark Patterson and Joel Rydenberg. Our Volume 28 Editor-in-Chief is Alex Kirk. Our Managing Editor is Matt Hershkowitz. Our audio mixing this week is by Patrick Ho. Special thanks to staff correspondent Mike Rivera, and a huge thank you to Orit Blankrot and Margot Cornell for being part of this week's episode. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. If you liked what you heard, please rate us and give us a review. It lets us know how we're doing and really helps our visibility as we continue to grow year after year. For more information about Fordham IPLJ, please visit our website at www.fordhamiplj.org. You can follow us on Twitter at, at @fordhamiplj or on facebookcom IPLJ. Additionally, you can support Fordham IPLJ and unlock exclusive bonus episodes by visiting patreon.com slash Fordham IPLJ and becoming a patron for just $1. I'm your online editor, Christina Sauerborn. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.